Hello, America. It's time for Uncle Sam Says. Today, I'm going to tell you some things I think you ought to know about the surrender of George Cornwallis at Yorktown, Virginia, to George Washington. Now, George Washington did indeed whip Cornwallis and his army. But this did not end the Revolutionary War. In fact, Cornwallis was not even the commander of the British armies. That guy was General Clinton, and he was up in New York at the same time with another army, defending that city from General George Washington, who had been attacking it for most of the summer. The American Army spy network got word to Washington that Cornwallis and his army were bivouacked in Yorktown, Virginia. Ha! <laughs> Washington immediately ordered General Lafayette to hold them there until he and his army could get there. At the same time, the French Admiral de Grasse was sent with his fleet to keep the British fleet from coming to the rescue of Cornwallis. The French fleet whipped the British fleet, and Cornwallis was trapped and surrounded. Now, a very interesting thing happened on the night of October the 16th. Cornwallis and his officers knew that his 9,000-man army was outmaneuvered and would soon be bombarded into submission. They devised a brilliant solution. While keeping up a formidable defense against the American siege, and in complete secrecy, they gathered together a whole bunch of small boats. The plan was to leave all their sick and wounded behind and to row across the York River overpower a small infantry garrison of Americans there and, and then get away on horseback and join up with General Clinton. It, it almost worked. It almost worked! Now, understand, George Washington didn't know anything about it. And the small infantry group that would have been totally surprised, too, they didn't know anything about it. Uh, they, they, they really weren't Washington's main infantry group. They were just kind of holding the horses of the infantry during the siege. If Cornwallis could have got his army there, why, they would have had enough horses for nearly all of his men. It was indeed a brilliant plan. Washington didn't know, and those men holding the horses, they didn't know. In fact, nobody on the American side knew. Well, almost nobody. You see, Heavenly Father knew, <laughs> and he had a plan, too. Oh, this guy is kind of funny to us, but I'll bet Cornwallis didn't think so. Here's what happened. Cornwallis did not have enough boats to get all of his men over in one crossing. He'd have had to make several crossings to get them all over. After he got the first load over and the second were on their way, a great big squall came up as a big storm. It nearly swamped those boats. Why, they were so busy just trying to stay afloat and alive that they totally forgot they were now to row to the other side. That storm was so furious that it drove them several miles away. In fact, they were driven so far away that they couldn't even get back to Yorktown until the next day. <laughs> well, that first group, why, they were just stranded there on the bank. They were too small to go on and fight, and, and not one of them had thought to bring his swimsuit to swim back. <laughs> well, so the first group got stranded, and the second group were just swept away and nearly drowned. It was such a devastating blow that Cornwallis surrendered the very next day, October 17th, asking for a ceasefire until terms of surrender could be worked out. And that surrender, well, that took place on October 19th, two days later. But the Treaty of Paris that finally ended the war, 
and got us recognized as an independent nation, that wasn't signed until September 1783, nearly two years later. Actually, though, except for some rather hot naval battles out in the West Indies, the Battle of Yorktown was indeed the last major engagement of the war. Okay, let's go back to that night of October 16th when the great plan to slip away from the American siege was frustrated by that storm. Just how do you think Lord Cornwallis felt when he saw that God himself was fighting for the Americans? <laughs> that storm or, or squall was, was totally unexpected. Then, when you add to that some other very interesting things that, that happened, <laughs> you can see why Cornwallis was whipped. He was whipped mentally, he was whipped spiritually, as well as militarily. Okay, first of all, uh, for the last several months, his army had been beaten and battered and dogged by the Francis Marion. He was the great American guerrilla fighter. That's another one of my stories. Uh, outpost after outpost along the Santee and other rivers all over North Carolina had been wiped out by this Francis Marion. Finally, in desperation, he sent Major Bannister Tarleton, or so, <laughs> he was called by the Americans Bloody Bannister, because of how he had handled a massacre at the Battle of Cowpens. He was just brutal, vicious. But not even the famous Bannister Tarleton could could catch Francis Marion. And so he said to his men, Let's go on back, boys. Not even the devil himself could catch this old fox. And so he became known as the Swamp Fox, Francis Marion, the Swamp Fox. <laughs> well, in other words, when Cornwallis got to Yorktown, he was tired. He was tired. His men were tired. They'd been dogged and fought and outmaneuvered, and, well, they were tired. They were, they were looking for a rest. Then, just after they got there, they rejoiced to see the British fleet coming with provisions and with 5,000 fresh men. And then, then, <laughs> right out of nowhere came the great 29-warship French fleet under Admiral de Grasse. Right out of nowhere. Who would expect the French now, here, in America, now? Oh, what was the French fleet doing attacking the British fleet? It was madness. And they beat the tar out of the British fleet. They were nearly destroyed in, in what's been called the most decisive fleet battle of all time. Then, once the British fleet was destroyed, the French came back and put 5,000 of their own Marines into the American army. So, instead of being reinforced, <laughs> instead of being reinforced, Cornwallis got nothing. And the Americans were in reinforced instead with 5,000 new troops. Then the French fleet just aimed all their cannon at the Cornwallis army and, and waited for Washington to tell them to shoot. In other words, the siege and the surrounding of Cornwallis was complete. When the British marched out to surrender, they had all been given brand new uniforms just to accent the difference between them and the Americans, who, who almost had no uniforms. They refused to march in unison, but stayed out of step to show their contempt. All of them were angry, and some even cried, and they just threw down their weapons in disgust. 
their band played, the world turned upside down because they felt that it had been turned upside down. Now here's the words to that old British ballad. The world turned upside down. If buttercups buzzed after the bee, if boats were on land and churches on sea, if ponies rode men and if grass ate the cows, and cats should be chased into holes by the mouse, and if mamas sold their babies to gypsies for half a crown, if summer were spring and the other way round, then all the world would be upside down. Well, hey, thanks for listening, folks. Remember, you're learning the truth. Tell your friends, speak with boldness, and keep your powder dry. <laughs>